0: Section 8 of A Minor War History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Minor War History by Martin Alonzo Hines Letter number 24. Bladensburg, Maryland. September twenty ninth, 1861. Company One goes on guard today, and I can manage to pick out a little time for writing letters. I wish you could be in camp here Sundays and see the colored people come in. Sunday is the Negroes' holiday, and they swarm into camp with their apples, peaches, chickens, or whatever they happen to have that can be turned into money or old clothes. Each one has a basket, with a crooked stick on which to swing it over the shoulder. These plantation negroes, mostly slaves, are a quaint lot, not a bit like the bright-colored people you see north. We used to think the stage negro at the minstrel show was a burlesque, he wasn't. Fast day, some 400 of the regiment marched down to the camp of the 3rd and had a jolly time. Roger had got along, but I saw him for only a moment. Frank Morrell and I took a most cheerful stroll down to the most cheerful public institution the congressional cemetery and saw the tombs of Gen. Macomb, Gov. Clinton, and no end of generals, commodores, and other big men. The 4th NH regiment passed here today. I do not know where they will camp. I have many acquaintances in its ranks. Have you read about the taking of Monson's hill? Wasn't that a pretty neat trick the rebel turned on us, Mountain stovepipes and wooden cannons on the forts? The boys are borrowing trouble now through fears that McClellan will not take us with him when he advances over into Virginia. It would be decidedly ungrateful not to give us a chance to square accounts for Bull Run and the run we made after it. I shall never forgive the rebels for that affair until we have paid them in their own coin. The 1st Michigan regiment came in today and camped right beside us, they were a bull run as a 3 months regiment and enlisted again for 3 years when their time was up. The fort we have been working on is about ready for business, it mounts 13 32 pounder guns and would be a lovely thing for a few thousand men to butt their heads against. The days are very hot and the nights terribly cold. I put my overcoat on and wrap my blanket about my legs and feet when I bunk down nights. And then I'm almost frozen. This is a good time to catch the fever in Ague, and I may be in for it. Letter number 25. Camp Union, Bladensburg, Maryland, Sunday, October 6th, 1861. The 4th Regiment are encamped about 2 miles below here. I went down to see them one day last week and had a good time, saw Ken, Foss, Sam, Porter, Tulip, Bunton and many others. As I went strolling through the camp, I noted one street down ahead where there appeared to be half a dozen fights going on, in various stages of development. I said to myself, I'll bet a dollar that's Charlie Hud's company. I won the bet. The 3rd Regiment has gone to Annapolis. This afternoon we are to be reviewed by General McClellan. He has reviewed us once before and it may be that he intends putting us ahead somewhere and that we shall leave Bladensburg before long. So you want me to learn a lot of songs, do you? Well, I have anticipated your wishes and already commenced. There is one pathetic local ballad that I have been practicing on and can do pretty well for a Greenhand. Here is the first verse which will give you some idea of its high artistic merits. A grasshopper sat on a sweet potato vine, on a sweet potato vine, on a sweet potato vine, when a turkey gobbler, a coming up behind, just yanked him off of that sweet potato vine. Then there is another that is very popular with the boys. It is easy to learn, notwithstanding there are 147 verses to it. I will give you the first verse, and when you've got that, you've got the whole thing for they're all alike one two sing john brown he knew that his father was well and his father he knew that john brown he was well for when john brown knew that his father was well his father he knew that john brown he was well our entire company was out yesterday cutting down woods that interfered with the range of the guns on the fort we have been building My mother having a recollection of her experiences with the family wood box when I was a boy would probably have advised against taking me out, but I am inclined to think that, as a woodchopper, I achieved some reputation this time, as after I had gnawed down a tree of considerable size, some of the boys called the others to come and admire Mart's stump. Well, I have strung out a long letter, and some of it you can credit to the delightful surroundings and conditions under which I am working. Here is the picture. A big tent, the quartermasters. Overlooking from its back a railroad cut 25 or 30 feet deep. An enormous oak tree deeply shading a large space with a delicious breeze rustling its branches. Several of the boys sitting around reading the newspapers, chatting and looking down upon the numerous trains that pass below and your own correspondent with a big pile of army overcoats for a backrest. Letter number 26. Camp Union, Bladensburg, Maryland, October 21st, 1861. We are having some of the worst weather. The Almanac can dish out to us. And the hospital is full of sick men, some seriously ill. I have, myself, been off duty for several days, but I am now on deck again, all right. It is surprisingly cold and tents are not the warmest sleeping apartments in the world. I hope they will take us off down south before long or give us good barracks. I had a letter from my uncle Nathaniel the other day, Nathaniel Columbus Knowlton of New London. He wrote that after he went back from Boston where he went to see me off, a girl came to my father's house whom they introduced as Miss Lane and who seemed to be very well acquainted About a month after, Addie told him who he was. He approves. The two aunts you met at my house are alright. Aunt Polly is the wife of my father's eldest brother, Joshua. Aunt Olivia was reared down south, in a Catholic seminary at Charleston, South Carolina. Her father, Captain Bailey, was an old-time sea captain. Until recently, she has been very decided in her southern predilections. But a summer spent in Charleston two years ago changed her sentiment very radically. Her husband, my uncle William, is in the Massachusetts 18th, which is now at Baltimore. There is quite a little force of cavalry here with us now. They make a brave show in their drilling. General Hooker, who commanded this brigade, now has a division. And Colonel Corden, of the 1st Massachusetts, commands the brigade. I believe we shall move from here before long. The boys are getting impatient and will be very discontented if they hold us here much longer. You write me off, your fingers being cold. If you could only know how cold I am this very minute, you would realize the pleasures of letter writing in camp. It is a cold day and I am writing in a wide open tent, which is just the same as out of doors. But we have lots of good times, notwithstanding the cold. And when we get around the campfire at night, we talk of home in the jolly times we will have when we get back to Manchester. End of section 8. Recorded by Isam Arabi.